listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. You guys, but I'm pretty much ready to go home. Amanda brought the word this morning, so like we sang some songs and Jesus is worshiped and I'm just ready to go home. No, I'm just kidding. But that was an incredible word. And one thing I want you to know is that uh, it seems like the Holy Spirit's orchestrating some stuff because some of the songs we're singing, Amanda's word, it all just plays into the message and nobody, I mean, it all works together rather, not that the message is more important than the other pieces. I didn't mean to imply that. But uh, God's putting it all together today, I believe. And so I would just encourage you when the Holy Spirit, you know, moves in that way, I would encourage you to pay special close attention because there, there's probably a word in one of these songs or in something that Amanda said or something in this message um, for you specifically. Um, so I want to encourage you in that. And uh, I want to... Uh, who? Who, um, Amanda talked a little bit about the new year, um, and who is having a great 2020 so far? Raise your hand. Awesome. I love you guys. Thank you for having a great 2020. That's awesome. Who is like, is 2020 over yet? <laughs> there, I'm I, ser- no joke though. I am thankful for the people that raise their hand that are just like, yeah, 2020 is awesome because I need you in my life, right? I need you in my life. Um, man, here's the deal: is that um, a couple weeks into the year, and I don't know if it's just my circle or or the people that I run with or or whatever, but I I have heard a lot of people going through turmoil and just really hard things. People, uh, family members in and out of hospitals and, and uh, you know, people dealing with just incredible anxiety and depression, even some suicidal thoughts. Like, um, I have heard over and over again from the, the people that I've encountered um, and not everybody, because my wife raised her hand. She's a she's a ray of sunshine, right? Um, <laughs> if you know Kim, that's kind of funny. But um, <laughs> zing. Um, anyways, but so I, I just I uh, I've been encountering a lot of people who are really going through it. Like the new year kicked in, and it kicked them in the face, pretty much, right? And uh, I mean, just think about our society, right? There, there are people that are, um, you know, more depressed than ever. Anxiety is running rampant in our society, almost like never before, even among children, right? Um, I have, I have a, a son who deals with anxiety, and uh, it started in like third grade, <laughs> and so like. I, I just, I, uh, it seems like anxiety is at a level that it's never, I don't know, never been in my lifetime, I guess. I'll just say that. Um, I, I sense a great 
hopelessness among the people that I'm encountering. Some of them, uh, you know, non-believers, some of them believers, you know, which may sound funny because believers are supposed to have hope, you know, and be brimming with hope. And sometimes that's just not the case, right? And, and, and um, we know all the right things to say, you know, that church culture has told us to say, you know, and, and uh, sometimes there's just no getting around it. You know, some, some people feel hopeless sometimes. And uh, we have more access to news and shopping, right, and music and credit, right, and, and, and access to other people. We have more access to other people than we've ever had in humanity, right? And yet people are more depressed, more anxious, and a large percentage of people are feeling hopeless. And I just am like, what is going on here? And, and I hear him asking questions like, are things ever going to get better? You know, I think we're, as a, as a country, and this isn't a political statement in any way, shape, or form, but I think as a country, we're, we're more fragmented than we've been in a long time. And I just see a lot of people asking, are things going to get any better? Uh, will this evil I'm encountering day after day? And a lot of people feel like there is a great evil right now um, that's like maybe always been there and has just kind of reared its ugly head. But is this evil I'm encountering day after day ever going to cease? Right? That's right, Vicky. I heard you. Jesus return on that day, evil will cease. That's right. But I, I mean, and when you boil these questions down, it feels like people are just asking, is all hope lost? Is there hope? Is there hope? And uh, it brings to my mind a quote um, that says, we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. And that's uh, Martin Luther King Jr. He spoke those words in Washington, D.C. in February uh, 68, just two months before he was assassinated in Memphis, right? And uh, they echo across the decades these words to endure as one of the most positive messages of the great civil rights movement's uh, leader's legacy, that the challenges that weigh us down today should never delude us from imagining a better, more just, and more love-filled future, right? MLK is, is my personal hero because he represented to me a person of, un, of an unquenchable sense of hope, right? And uh, no matter how much adversity he faced, like his, his house was bombed, he was put in prison, you know, he was, um, even though he did all these uh, nonviolent marches, you know, they were, they were still subject to violence, and yet he has this unquenchable hope. And no matter 
like what he faces, he, he inspires the people around him to hope, right? And so in chapter 37, God gives Ezekiel a message of hope for the Israelite people. So if you want to turn there, that's kind of going to be where we sit a little bit today. But um, if you don't know much about Ezekiel, Ezekiel was a, a priest living in Jerusalem during the first wave attack of Babylon. And uh, he survived the attack, but, but many of he and his other Israelites were, were taken into exile. And on his 30th birthday, when he would have been installed as a priest in Israel, uh, he has this incredible vision from the Lord. And God commissions Ezekiel as a prophet and basically gives him the job of, um, you know, telling Israel that they've broken their covenant agreement with him and with the Lord and, and warns them that there will be another attack on Jerusalem and just everything's going to be obliterated. Fun job. I have that job sometimes. <laughs> uh, everything will be destroyed. And Israel has been, and the reason for this is Israel's been worshiping other gods and they've been worshiping idols, which led to all kinds of social injustice and violence. And Ezekiel tried all kinds of different methods to get the exiled people of Israel to listen. But God told Ezekiel that because of their hard hearts, no one was going to listen to his warnings because of their hard hearts. And the people blatant, the people's blatant worship of idols became too much for God, and he gave Ezekiel another vision of the temple in Jerusalem in its current state, right? Like, so, so God kind of magically, what do they call that in Star Trek? They beam me up, Scotty, what's it called? Uh, nerds, help me out, come on. <laughs> Tele teleporting? I don't know. I thought there was a name for it, but okay, my bad. Sorry, nerds. <laughs> what? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, so God, you know, gives Israel a vision of what's happening in the temple in Jerusalem right this very moment, almost like he was teleported there. And I'm just going to use that word because I, I can't find the other word, apparently. Um, he gives Ezekiel this vision of the temple in its current state. And in the vision, Ezekiel saw Israelite men and women in the temple of God, in the temple of courts, in the temple of courts, bowing down and worshiping large idols, statues that they had made. God's temple, right? And there are idols of other gods in this temple, courts, and the people are bowing down to worship him. Like, it's hard to believe. And while this vision was happening, Ezekiel saw something else. He saw the presence of God leaving the temple out and leaving out of Jerusalem. Shortly after this vision, the second wave attack came over Jerusalem and the city um, of, uh, and uh, the attack of Babylon came over the city of Jerusalem and the temple was completely destroyed along with the city. 
and the people of Israel in exile were left with no hope of ever being anything more than slaves. They had no hope. All hope was gone. All hope was lost, and they felt like nothing but a bunch of corpses, dead. They felt dead. And though the people of Israel's current state was grim, they had no reason, and they had no reason to hope. All hope was not lost because God is, and I just want, I want you to grasp this. This has never been said before in the history of church, but I, I just want to say it one time. Are you ready? God is good. God is good. There was, there's always reason to hope because God is good. Let's read this, this chapter, 1 through 14, Ezekiel 37. Now, this is, the, this is a, a vision that, another vision that God is giving Israel. So, um, here we go. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, uh, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will, uh, I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesy as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus, thus says the Lord God. Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord 
when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Amen. Amen. One thing I notice about this scripture and that last line, it's like all I can do to not make a Mandalorian joke, I have spoken, right? Um, um, I guess I did anyways. Um, <laughs> um, a couple things I notice about this is, is that God asks Ezekiel a very profound question. He brings him to this valley, like death valley, bones everywhere, and not with like meat on their flesh or decomposing like dried up bones, right? Just completely bleached by the sun, dried up desert, death valley is, is where you're at. And, and uh, he, he showed him around this valley, right? God showed Ezekiel this, this valley and... and uh, he asks him this very profound question, and, and uh, he says, son of, son of man, can these bones live? And I think sometimes when we get discouraged and we feel hopeless, like there's nowhere to turn or, or uh, we're facing some really difficult adversity, I, th- I think... Sometimes God is just asking the question, do you believe I'm good? Do you, do you believe that I can bring, I, do you believe that I can do the impossible? Do you believe that I can bring the dead things back to life? Because he, did, he didn't even ask him a leading question. He said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel had had, a, had a, enough of a relationship with the Lord that he was like, I don't know. What do you say, God? Can these bones live? <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, I, think, I think sometimes the Lord is asking us that question. You know, can, is this situation impossible? Is it impossible uh, I mean, I know it's impossible for you, but do you believe I'm good, right? Do you believe that it's impossible for me, right? Israel isn't dying or near death in the vision, but utterly dead and decomposed, totally dead, right? But Ezekiel, in the passage, believed and obeyed God. He believed and obeyed God. And he saw some amazing things happening, right? And and I believe that those two words are so hand in hand because if you believe in God, if if, if you believe what God says is true, it's going to show in your actions. And if you notice, 
the Lord tells Ezekiel what to do. Um, and he and Ezekiel believed that God could do it. And so the power of this these resurrected bones and the vision, right, in Death Valley, the, the power, it, it, you know, Ezekiel says the words, but the power comes out of the obedience to, to God, right? Because the God, God told him to say the words first. And so the power of this is, is, is actually out of obedience. And even in the midst of despair, do you believe God? Do you believe him? Do you, do you obey what he says, right? And I think, you know, bringing the dry bones back to life is a, is a, is a, in the scripture is a two-part process involving both God's word and his spirit. Both God's word and his spirit. And I believe that, you know, in times of trouble, one of the most in times of temptation, in times of despair, in times of depression, I think one of the most positive things we can do is daily, not just when we're in those mind frames or whatever, but daily hiding God's word in our heart because the spirit will bring its gospel message to your lips. Hiding God's word in your heart. And bringing it to your lips. Without the word and someone faithful like Ezekiel to proclaim it, the bones will never live. And so maybe you're not the dry bones. Maybe you're Ezekiel. And the word that the Lord has for you is for somebody else that you need to be obedient in. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Yeah. But the... Israel, during the exile, believed God was finished with them, and there was no hope. Jerusalem was destroyed. The people were in exile. They were slaves, and they believed God was done with them and had moved on and that there was no hope. Even though Israel felt forsaken, though, they weren't. They were still his people, and this speaks of God's faithfulness, right? He continues on to address them as my people and and. What do you need God to bring back to life for you? What do you need God to bring back to life for you? Is it your purpose? You just feel lost? Kind of bouncing from one thing to the next? Is it your marriage, or, or just every part of you. Maybe you feel like the bones in Death Valley that, that Ezekiel describes. Lifeless, hopeless, beyond repair, just beyond, right? Beyond repair or resurrection. The good news is, though, God didn't choose to bring Israel out of exile 
because they were good. He chose to bring them out because he is. I'm going to say that again. The good news is God didn't choose to bring Israel out of exile because they were good. He chose to bring them out because he is good. And that should give us all hope. The people that were, imagine if we had two giant idols set up in here and we were worshiping them. I, I, I just, like, I can't even fathom that. And here God is. That's exactly what they did, the people in Jerusalem. And God is still giving them hope for a future, still calling them his people. Ephesians 2, 1 through 4 says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us. Mm. I cut that off for some reason. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world and following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. God can bring us through the valley of the shadow of death because he first brought Christ through it. First Corinthians 15, 20 through 23 says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. 
The bones were resuscitated with the purpose of being an army. Did you notice that? They were not only resuscitated, but they were resuscitated with purpose, right? We've been filled and resuscitated. We've been filled with the Spirit for a reason to make disciples, right? To love each other, to love God. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're, we are regenerated for the reason of making disciples for his renown. So why do you, why, do, why, why should you take anything I'm saying um, as a reason to hope? Maybe you feel like those dry bones right now, brittle and broken, hopeless. I want you to just ask yourself one question. Ask if, if that's you if, that I'm speaking to. Do I believe God is good? Do I believe Anything is impossible for God. Maybe you can't relate to the hopeless feeling at all. I have a friend that, that I was having breakfast with this week, and he was like, yeah, I can never relate when, when preachers say, like, oh, you know, stuff's so bad and hopeless or whatever. And I'm just like, my life's great. I'm like, good for you, man. Way to go, sport, right? Pat him on the back. Um, but so, so maybe that's you, you know? Maybe, maybe you're just like, I think my 2020 is, is going really well. I don't feel hopeless. And in that case, I want to call you to be Ezekiel. I want to call you to, uh, to hide the word of the Lord away in your heart and speak out the message of the gospel and any kind of word of encouragement that you see, that you get from God. I want you to call out those words from God because it was, it was the word of God and then Ezekiel speaking them that brought the dead bones back to life in the vision, right? So maybe some of you are called to be Ezekiel's. The book of Ezekiel ends with another vision, and as the worship team comes, the book of Ezekiel ends with another vision from the Lord. This time, it's a it's a new city and a new temple, and it's beautiful. It's so grand and big, and in this this new vision is incre- incredibly detailed. But the city is never referred to as Jerusalem. In this vision, a small stream of water trickles out of the new temple. And as it runs through the city, it quickly becomes a rushing river. Right? This wild river runs through the city. 
all the way out to the desert. But it's not just any desert. It's the Dead Sea Valley. Death Valley. Wherever the river goes, it leaves a trail of life. Trees spring up. Flowers come forth. It, this river, wherever it goes, it leaves a trail of life. And eventually, the Dead Sea is living and is, is full of trees and animals and has tons of imagery from the Garden of Eden. This living sea soon becomes a garden city that is just teeming with life. It has always been the Lord's goal to restore humanity back to his life-giving presence, right? To his life-giving presence as it once was in the Garden of Eden. And the vision ends with the name of this new garden being the Lord is there. The Lord is there. And one thing I, one last thing I find really interesting about this Ezekiel passage is that when Ezekiel, when God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath, that breath, that word breath in Hebrew is the same word for spirit. Same word for spirit. So every time God says breath, you could imagine him saying spirit. And the bones, they're standing there put together with flesh on their body in the presence, the spirit of God enters them. It's always been the goal of God to bring us back into his life-giving presence, right? Out of Death Valley, to breathe his spirit into us. That's a hope I can hold on to. Because time after time, this book, devastating things happen, and the Lord gives hope. He continually gives hope. He continually encourages. And then one day, this new temple is going to be a reality. And the Spirit of God will no longer, we will no longer be separated from God. And so I'm holding on to that day. I'm, hold, I'm holding and I'm hoping. And if you're in that place, that death valley, I want you to know that there's hope. There is life and love in Jesus Christ today. There's a people group in this building that cares for you and wants you to know that this world is better with you in it. I just want to pray right now.
Father God, I pray, Lord, that this jumbled mess of words that I just said, Lord, that you you let whatever you want to stick, stick. And anything that's of me, I pray, it just falls off right now, Lord. But God, I, Lord, I, I, I'm encountering so many people who are hurting and kind of giving in to despair, Lord. But I pray that you would use us, Lord, to inspire hope among your people, among your sons and daughters those that we encounter. If you're feeling hopeless, I, I just want to invite you to uh, to come up on this first row right here. I would love to pray with you. You can do it anytime. God, we we love you. We thank you for the hope that you give us, Lord. We, we thank you that when we feel like dry and empty and lifeless, Lord, that you can breathe your spirit into us. That you've given us a purpose. Lord, and, 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 and that you're good, Father. Lord, that you're so good. You're infinitely good. Lord, help us to remember that. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. Would you just say that with me? Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. Say it again. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. Because I believe you're good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that Jesus brought us hope, Lord, and he made the way. As the ushers come forward, we receive our tithes and offering. God, we pray over this offering, Lord, that it would be pleasing to you, Father just as our songs, Lord, and just as we, we gather in fellowship, Lord, and Lord, people give of their time as volunteers here, Lord. 
pray that this, this offering also would be pleasing to you. That you would use it to build your kingdom in the neighborhood and in, our, in the nations of the earth. That you would spread hope. In Jesus' name. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.